It's the Americhicks with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Ideas do matter. Uh, We are dissecting the issues, news, politics, and opinion. As right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, we need to be having these conversations in America today. Uh, check out my website, uh, sign up for my emails. You can go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and just fill out the form and we will get you on the list. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. Again, that's americhicks.com forward slash Kim and we'll get you on there. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Would appreciate you liking and following me, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Very excited about our next Vino and Veritas Monday, March 25th. I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranwitter, Bethany, and his whole team, plus Jen Hewlin, owner of Water's Edge Winery in Centennial, to bring you Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth. Uh, Dr. Cranwitter is creating a very fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. We need to know why we believe what we believe. So Vino and Veritas uh, Centennial is meeting the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. The great news is it's sold out, and we have more great news. Vino and Veritas Castle Rock begins Sunday, March 31st. So for Vino and Veritas sign up or more information, go to americhicks.com slash vino. Uh, we appreciate our presenting sponsors. January was Harmony Ridge Construction, building homes and usually making friends in the process. February's presenting sponsor was Susan Kochevar, owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. Spring is almost here, and Susan plans to open sometime later in March. And March's presenting sponsor is Heidi Ganahl and her Free to Be Coalition, promoting free speech and diversity of thought. Sounds like a good idea to me. If you would like to be a presenting sponsor, let me know. Go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and fill out the form, and we will get you going on that. So, Producer Steve, are you ready for today's chuckle? Bring it. Bring it on. Okay. Ronald Reagan. He said, most people would be glad to mind their own business if the government would give it back. No, he's he's just slow in the pickup. You can't. <laughs> we're having trouble communicating through the glass. He's in that other room, and I point to him, but he's not always looking back at me. I think he's looking at his phone. You know what? Is he a millennial? Oh, oops! I didn't mean to say that. So, uh, you know what? We may have to reassess whether or not we're going to have the same drummer. We'll have to talk about that this weekend. So, a little inspiration for the day: Dwight D. Eisenhower, President of the United States. Allied commander in World War II in the European theater said, what counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And my friends, we've got a fight on our hands right now in America. Um, There's so many different headlines I wanted to go through. I'm going to just very quickly hit some of them. And then I think one of the most important things that happened this morning, I just saw this come across the wire, was that Michael Cohen met with Adam Schiff, Congressman Adam Schiff's staff for over 10 hours before Cohen testified before the House Oversight Committee. Uh, Steve, this is absolutely astonishing that you would have a witness 
that would go over what the testimony was going to be with one of the political parties. I find it absolutely amazing. Uh, so we'll come back to that in just a minute. Things, my friends, that you need to have, I think, on your radar today. First of all is the ICE facility in Aurora is expanding uh, their focus to include uh, asylum seekers. So these are illegal immigrants that are coming across the border and they are asking for refugee or asylum status. And so they have to go through, uh, or, and, and this is one of the things that, that they have figured out on how to get into the country and then ultimately if they get released, they can, you know, they can fall into the shadows. But they're bringing in diseases. They're bringing in mumps and chicken pox and um, we're seeing an increase in those. And Steve, these are diseases, uh, childhood diseases that have been close to eradicated in America. It's astounding to me that through illegal immigration, we are importing childhood diseases back into our country. Now, we certainly care about children all over the world. However, we need to be addressing those diseases in those countries instead of bringing them in and putting American children at risk. It's astonishing to me. Yes, and okay. I, well, you know, there, there's the big heavy hitters uh, when we talk about illegal immigration and, and what it's doing here. And that one kind of usually falls down to one of the lesser ones. But it's a health issue. And it is... It's astonishing to, to think that, you know, we have, you know, got these particular diseases under control for how many years? Decades. And again, this unchecked flow of people is it's it's just going to be another way. Hopefully, maybe we can get some people's attention who just don't think it's a big deal. Well, and this is the other thing. So, first of all, you know, one of our responsibilities is to protect our children and we protect our children once we're sure that we're taking care of, of our house. Then we can go out and we can, you know, work, you know, and help other people. But we need to make sure we take care of our house. The other thing that I found fascinating is the ICE detainees that are now in Aurora. Some of them are going on a hunger strike. And first of all, who is coaching these people to talk them into going in on a hunger strike? And they said many of these people that are going on a hunger strike uh, regarding the conditions at this ICE facility, they came from Bangladesh and they came from Pakistan. Now, I took a look very quickly at the living conditions in Pakistan. And uh, it says this was uh, per, uh, let me get to it. Uh, per Habitat for Humanity's website, Bangladesh is among the most populous countries in the world with more than 1,100 people packed into every square kilometer. Nearly one-third of the 100, 160 million population is living below the national poverty line, according to the World's ba World Bank's data in 2010. It says in Bangladesh they need clean water, improved toilets, communal showers, and training and better hygiene. Now, I must ask you, really, people coming from that country... First of all, how did they get across the border? How did they get across the big blue ocean to get to the southern border, to get to uh, a, an asylum or an ICE detention center in Aurora, Colorado? Somebody is somebody is is moving the strings on this. But really, you're coming from a country that <clears throat> doesn't have clean water, improved to toilets, you know, and showers and lousy hygiene, and they're on a hunger strike right here in America. Somebody is coaching them. And um, so the two points here is, how did those people get across the ocean? How did they get to the southern border? 
How did they get across the border? How did they get to this detention facility? Why are they on a hunger strike? And they're bringing in diseases that ultimately could hurt our children. Those were the major things that I wanted to talk about on that. Do you think I've covered enough of that, Steve? Yes, you've done an exemplary job. And, you know, we've been asking that when, when did the caravans first really pop up at our radar in terms of the southern border? And, you know, you see the caravans, you see pictures of everyone's wearing a nice new backpack and maybe some new tennies and stuff like that to right. make the trip with. Where did that come from? Exactly. Somebody is moving the strings on this. And and so they're bringing in diseases. They, and the other thing is, is they're bringing in an ideology. They're not going through the, the natural, you know, the, the, the um, process to become a citizen so that they understand why they're coming to America. They're, they're not trying to get into Venezuela. They're not trying to get into Russia. They're not trying to get into China. Why are they coming here? It's because of the American idea. And yet when they're coming here, the American idea is under assault. And so going back to Ike Eisenhower, it's not the uh, size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And we are an Americans. And um, Donald Trump inherently understands the risks to everyday hardworking Americans and the American idea. And so we need to understand why this is so important to step up to the fight on this. But let's run through some of the other headlines here. Um, Colorado Democrat, uh, he served as U.S. Senator and Colorado Attorney General, Secretary of the Interior under President, President Barack Obama, and that is Ken Salazar. He has come out against the Senate Bill 181, which is being sponsored by the Boulder politicians. And this is basically what is going to do <clears throat> to Colorado oil and gas industry what uh, Proposition 112, which was defeated soundly at the um, uh, ballot box last November. Uh, anyway, Senate Bill 181 is going to go ahead and move that forward without you know, circumventing the will of the voters. And uh, so renowned Colorado Democrat Ken Salazar has come out against Senate Bill 181. I, was kind so of I thought en- that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and I was kind of <laughs> encouraged by that. I mean, normally you'd... The, the, the history that Ken Salazar has, you would think, okay, well, wherever the Dems want to go, I'll go there too. And, uh, you know, he's standing up. Yeah, and good for him on that. Although I did find it also interesting that he does work for a uh, a uh, law firm that <laughs> that actually represents some of the Colorado's oil and gas uh, businesses. I mean, I tell you what, politics makes strange bedfellows sometimes, Steve. So lastly, let's see how many we got so many headlines to go through. Oh, you know, I think we're going to have to really do a show on this whole thing on Michael Cohen meeting with Adam Schiff's staff. Uh, I've done some research on actually, um, let's see here, Uh, let me get to that headline, Mueller's scorecard, who's been convicted and sentenced. I went through through that, and I lost the headline on that. Oh, here we go. And as I went through this, there's about seven guys, Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, Michael Cohen, Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Alex Vanderswan, and then some guy I hadn't even heard of, Richard Penendo. Uh, he was sentenced to six months in federal lockup and six months in home confinement for selling bank account and other stolen information to a group of Russians. Uh, I find this just kind of fascinating. It, it, as I look through, none of these guys actually were convicted of anything that had anything to do with Russian collusion. And then the fact that Michael Cohen met with Adam Schiff's staff 
for over 10 hours before he testified. You know, Steve, I mentioned the day after that testimony that I thought it, that it looked like Cohen had been threatened. He looked to me like somebody that um, was saying what somebody had coached him to say. It almost looks like a banana republic to me, and I'm pretty darn concerned about it. Well, there's two things I've stopped saying uh, that I would have said maybe 10 years ago. How low can you go? And uh, now I've seen it all. I won't I won't say those two things anymore because they'll turn around <laughs> and they'll show me how low they can go. Well, and, uh, you know, all of this is to take down Trump. Trump has come in and in two years. He has done more for everyday, hardworking American people than uh, president, any president in recent history. And they want to take him down. But uh, you know what? Let's go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Frank Hawkins. He's a former U.S. Uh, Army intelligence, a- intelligence agent, as well as a former uh, AP correspondent about his 10 greatest Americans. Um, before we go to break, though, Steve, you know, I love sports. There's individuals working hard to be the best they can be, to compete, to win or lose. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Uh, the Nuggets are exciting. The Avs, Major League Baseball starts on March 29th Eight. and March Madness. And well, you know what? I checked it. I couldn't remember the date, but any, 28th or 29th. And as a KU basketball fan, I love March Madness, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Hooters is the place to watch your games. Uh, they have specials starting at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings, and Hooters wings can fly. You can deliver, have them delivered right to your front doorstep. When I have the girls over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters new smoked wings to go. They are delish and only half the calories. So more information, uh, check out Hooters. Colorado.com. That's Hooters, Colorado.com. And let them know that you know the Americhicks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Frank Hawkins and his 10 greatest Americans in his eight decades of life. We'll be right back. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as uh, right versus wrong instead of right versus left. 
agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We're going to be having a great conversation with Frank Hawkins here in just a moment. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. That is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. So just thrilled to have on the line with me Frank Hawkins. You are a former U.S. uh, special agent, uh, a former uh, correspondent with the AP. It is great to have you here again. Well, thanks very much, Ken. It's great to be back with you. And uh, we had the the, pre, the previous show that we're re- referring to is you had done a piece, the ten most destructive Americans, and we went through that list. And the response that I got from listeners was astounding. But you are not just uh, talking about the ten most destructive. You also did a piece regarding the ten greatest Americans. Why did you do that, Frank Hawkins? Well, you know, uh, some months ago, this was back in I guess uh, before September when I wrote the article. Uh, the New York governor, Cuomo, had, uh, in one of his addresses, said that America was never that great. And I tell you what, that just set me off. I said, what in the hell is this guy talking about? So what I did was I said, hey, here's a, here's a list of those I consider to be the ten greatest Americans of my lifetime as I get closer to my 80th birthday. And, of course, there could be lots of others. This list could be very controversial. But when you go through this list and you think of others, you've got to say, you can only conclude uh, that Corona is a nutcase and that America is the greatest country in the world. Uh, don't sugarcoat how you really feel about that, okay, Frank? <laughs> I never hold back. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and jump in here then with the uh, 10 greatest Americans in your eight decades. Who is number 10? Well, number 10 uh, has a personal angle. The number 10 is Jonas Salk, um, and uh, he was the inventor of the original polio vaccine. And I have a personal connection to this because I was in his initial uh, group of, uh, of uh, trustees, if you will, um, in Pennsylvania uh, back in the, in the 1950s. And uh, it wasn't a fun experience because I was a kid and they were giving us shots and I didn't think that was so hot. But the truth is um, that he knocked out um, one of the most feared diseases of all time. And it was, a, it was a horrible thing at that time because people were totally, lives were totally ruined. I had an uncle uh, who was uh, devastated with polio and he ended up shooting himself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the other thing is that Salk is one of just thousands of American medical scientists who've made great strides in curing diseases, and that's just part of the American greatness. Um, and I, I, I just, uh, that's my point about that. Okay. Uh, I actually knew a guy that um, uh, had been crippled somewhat by polio. He was living a successful life, but it affected so many American children. And um, we just take it for granted that we don't have it anymore. So that was... Jonas Salk was the was number ten. Who's number nine? Yeah, let me just uh, give one more a footnote on Salk. Um, I had some pushback on that issue from my daughter, uh, who has a, a child, my grandson, who is autistic, and she believes, as, as I do, that the current uh, vaccine, um, uh, uh, the current uh, uh, whole issue of of putting vaccines into kids at a very young age before their brains are ready for it has in fact connected to autism. So she gave me quite a bit of pushback on this, but I, I, I stayed my ground. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there is, that is a, quite a conversation going on in America and actually here in Colorado as well. But let's jump on to, jump to number nine. Who is the, your number nine on the greatest Americans? Well, that was Neil Armstrong. 
uh, he was the first man uh, to land on the moon. And there were so many things that made him great. Uh, one thing was he was a modest man. He sought no particular glories or riches for himself, but he was a fearless pilot. Uh, uh, during the Korean War, for instance, uh, he was flying an F-9 uh, Panther in a combat situation, and he went in for a very low uh, run, and his, uh, his, uh, the wing of his plane hit a pole, and the plane was crippled, and he made it back to friendly territory and parachuted out. And, uh, but he was known as a fearless test pilot. Uh, and one thing that was important about that was that when the moon lander, landing, lander was coming down, he actually had to make some adjustments on the fly that literally saved the moon landing mission. And uh, for me, he represents the entire U.S. space program, uh, which, of course, has been over the years staffed by, you know, just thousands of very bright and highly uh, dedicated people. Yeah, I remember that. And as, as you're talking about him, I just got chills because uh, what, what an incredible thing that Americans did there. And one other note is there, uh, there was a movie that was done about, I think, the landing. And they left out uh, some of the things that I think reference to, to God. I think that what was his uh, words on the moon? Do you remember what they are, Frank? Uh, one small step for man, one great step, one important step for mankind, something along that line. Right, and in, and then I think they, they also made a reference to uh, to God on that, and, and uh, I think that was left out of the movie, which I think is disingenuous. But now, The thing that was left out of the movie was the uh, picture of the American flag being planted on the moon. That's what they left out of the movie. Oh, my gosh. I, now that you mention that, that's right. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Astounding. Uh, but that is Neil Armstrong, who was the first man to land on the moon, and it was an American endeavor that did that. So how about number eight? Who's number eight on your list? Number eight was uh, Jackie Robinson. Uh, he broke the color barrier in Major League uh, Baseball in 1947, and uh, to, a, to a greater degree, I think, he played an indirect role in triggering uh, you know, the all-important civil rights movement, um, where, you, in fact, you had a dominant racial majority that literally and ultimately reached down to bring an oppressed minority into the parity of opportunity. Only in America could that happen, and you have a lot of the modern-day black racists who cannot remember that or comprehend that or understand that. Uh, another point about this is some people said, well, maybe this really should have been Branch Rickey, and he was the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, who um, took the chance to bring uh, Jackie Robinson on. But no matter how you play, it was an important moment, and it helped uh, greatly toward leading America into the civil rights movement and, uh, and, uh, and uh, helping to uh, create some, some parity in the way that America works racially. You know, in, in America today, it's astounding to think about the courage that it would take for a black player to actually be playing a professional sport. But Jackie, Jackie Robinson was absolutely, I, I think, fearless in that, and uh, I agree with you. He is a great American. A great American, for sure. Okay, let's go to number seven, Frank Hawkins. This is uh, Frank Hawkins, and uh, Frank, you are a, uh, let's see, a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, an Associated Press foreign car correspondent, an international businessman, and uh, let's go to number seven on your list of great Americans. I'll start off by uh, saying in terms of number seven, it's important to understand that Al Gore did not invent the Internet. <laughs> in okay. fact, uh, Larry Roberts is my number seven, and he was a major player 
in the development of the Internet. Uh, he and his team, which had been, I think, working out of MIT um, at the Advanced Research Project Agency, uh, they created something called ARPANET. And this was the forerunner of the Internet itself. And what they were doing is they were using packet switching techniques that allow multiple computers uh, to communicate on a single network. And uh, there were other players that, uh, that pushed the whole Internet thing along, uh, people who uh, developed the uh, Internet protocols themselves and the World Wide Web and then eventually the use of GUI and so on. But there's no doubt that, uh, uh, that Larry Roberts is the guy who got it started, and he's got to be remembered as the one who did that, not Al Gore. Well, not Al Gore for sure. Hey, just a quick question. Do you have any comments about net neutrality since we're talking about the Internet? No, I have no, I have, it's an issue that I have not worried about or thought about. I just, I have no thoughts about it. Okay, just wanted to ask. Uh, we're going to go to break here shortly, but let's spend a little bit of time on number six. Who is your number six, Frank Hawkins, on the 10 greatest Americans? Uh, number six is David Horowitz. Uh, David Horowitz is a former uh, left-wing, almost uh, communist uh, I think he was actually a red diaper baby, which meant his family was communist. Uh, he is the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, he, in fact, uh, was a, uh, a former Marxist intellectual himself, um, and uh, his parents, in fact, were uh, Communist Party members. And, uh, and at one time, he was working with Huey uh, Newton's uh, Black Panthers, and he was involved with them in their left-wing causes, and uh, there was a white woman who worked for them as a secretary. And um, they ended up, uh, when she began to be restless and uneasy about what they were doing, they murdered her. And uh, he, he was very unhappy about that, and that began his transition uh, from being a Marxist to a, to a true uh, right-wing uh, patriot. And uh, since then, he's become a really important, crystal-clear voice. Uh, for academic freedom and for creating an unassailable watch on radical Islam as well as left-wing violence and, uh, and efforts to destroy the American political system. Uh, he runs the Horowitz um, um, Freedom Center, and uh, he also has a very important website, which I would like every American to check on every day, called Front Page Mag. Um, and uh, he, his, his main issues have been uh, the lack and loss of freedom of speech in American universities, um, the amount of racism that's going on in our society, um, and, of course, uh, he's taken the forefront in exposing uh, the dangers of Islam. Well, and I've had him on the show several times, and he is so passionate. It, it, he feels that I, I, it's a critical time in America, and he is so passionate. And so, uh, yes, I, I certainly see why you have him as number six on your list of 10 greatest Americans. Uh, Frank Horwitz, uh, let's go to break. When we come back, we'll uh, see who your number five is. Hey, Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. I love a party. However, I saw there was a quote, the job of the central banks is to take away the punch bowl just as the party is getting going. That doesn't sound like very much fun to me. No, it doesn't. And what's even more surprising is who said that. That was William McChesney Martin, who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve from 1951 to 1970. So uh, he's admitting that the Fed, kind of when the markets get going and the economy uh, gets moving, 
it's kind of their job to try to slow things down. And that seems counterintuitive to me, Kim. We would want the economy to be very, very good. And the Fed just has a history of kind of overshooting all the way one way, all the way the other way. Uh, you know, Greenspan made it where the Fed tended to meddle in the markets a little bit, and he became a folk hero. At the end of the day, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it is interesting, that admission by the the chairman of the Fed, isn't it? Well, I think it is a a bit troubling because uh, a rising uh, economy lifts all boats, and so the idea that we have, I want to say in some ways, elites at the Federal Reserve that are saying, wait a minute, we don't want to be quite that successful and to actually have a quote where they, in that William McChesney Martin said to take away the, the job of the central banks is to take away the punch bowl just as the party is getting going. Huh. I find that really interesting. Well, they certainly do have a big effect on the market. Uh, anytime the Fed is going to do something, you'll, you'll see a market reaction from the Fed uh, faster than just about anything else. There's no doubt about that. Well, that's for sure. So, hey, if you want more information, have somebody take a look at your nest egg, talk to the great men and women over at Presidential Wealth Management. That's Presidential Wealth Management. And our uh, website is chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And phone number is 303-694-1600. Jason, talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Kim. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. That is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. We are having a conversation today with Frank Hawkins. It is so great to have you back, Frank, uh, because we had done another show where we had talked about your piece, The Ten Most Destructive Americans. And, but you also are talking about the 10 greatest Americans. So we're at number five. Who is number five on your list, Frank? Uh, number five is uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, he is the founder of Apple and the Macintosh line of computers. Uh, he, is the, the, he was the first guy to make computers truly user-friendly for ordinary people through the use of the GUI interface. Uh, he went on to invent the iPad and the iPhone, the world's first smartphone, 
And uh, for me and for so many others, literally hundreds of millions of people are all around the world. It's now an everyday critical uh, device. I, I mean, I could not literally survive without my iPhone. Uh, there's no other way to think about it. He literally, this man literally changed the world as we know it today. And so there's positives and negatives with that. What would you say are the, the negatives first about the fact that we have this little device that is so powerful and, and can get us so much information? What would you say is the negative of, it, of that? Well, the criticism you get is that you have people who are, who are spending more time on their iPhones than they are with their fellow human beings. Um, and, of course, we see that all the time. You go into a restaurant and uh, people are sitting there looking at their iPhones instead of talking to each other. Um, and, uh, you know, we see the evidence of that all, all the time. You see people walking along the street looking at their iPhones instead of looking around. So uh, there's a question about whether we are dehumanizing humans uh, by connecting them, connecting them to electronic devices instead of to each other. Okay, and the positives, we probably all can think of something, but what would you say is the greatest positive to uh, Steve Jobs and the iPhone? Well, for me, it's access to information on, a, on an instant date basis anytime I want it. If I'm doing research on something if, uh, or if I need to communicate quickly with someone, uh, either by uh, email or text or phone, I can do it effortlessly. I mean, it's a wonderful device. I cannot imagine my life without it. You know, I'm going to date myself, Frank Hawkins, but uh, I, as a child, uh, we had a phone that was on the wall. And I never, ever dreamed that you would have a phone that you carried around. I thought it was uh, when Get Smart, do you remember that uh, um, a show that was about secret agents? And uh, Maxwell Smart would talk to, talk it to the, uh, his phone. He had a phone in his shoe. And I thought, that is so funny. And now we just have this well, little thing. Not, even before that, you had the cartoon strip, uh, Dick Tracy. And you may remember, Dick Tracy had a, a phone on his wrist. A wrist oh, that's right. Phone. That's right. And and we thought that that, w- that that was impossible. And now we each have this little little device with all of this information. So it is amazing. So your number five on your 10 greatest America- Americans is Steve Jobs. Let's go to number four. Uh, number four is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, and, of course, there are true conservatives who... Uh, take issue with this because he did, in fact, uh, help introduce the concept of uh, a big government into our culture and into our society. Um, he, he was America's 32nd president. Yeah, he was a crippled uh, polio uh, victim. Uh, he, but he, what he always must be remembered for is that he not only guided America out of the Depression, he guided America through most of World War II. Uh, and he died in April of 1945, uh, which was just literally a few a few uh, weeks uh, before um, before the war ended in Europe, and uh, and some months before the war finally ended in in August and September of 1945. But the truth is, his his programs during the Depression literally helped people who were starving, and uh, they were unemployed. Um, and, of course, it did lead to bigger government. He started Social Security. Um, he did, uh, and, and lots of other work programs that began the, uh, the whole, uh, whole thing of, of big government. Uh, but he also remembered for other uh, important uh, projects, including the Manhattan Project. Uh, sometime during the uh, uh, late 1930s, early 40s, I can't remember the exact date now, uh, Albert Einstein wrote him a letter. 
and said, uh, of course, Einstein was Jewish and had been uh, was in exile from Germany. And he wrote a letter to uh, Roosevelt, and he said, look, I think there's a chance you could build a, a very large uh, weapon uh, called an atomic bomb. And uh, so uh, that triggered the whole series of events, and uh, with uh, Roosevelt then um, starting the Manhattan Project, and uh, the first bomb, test bomb, was uh, um, triggered in, uh, in uh, New Mexico in July of uh, 1945. And then finally, in August the 6th, the first atom bomb uh, was dropped uh, on, uh, on Hiroshima. And then the next day, two days later, one in Nagasaki. And that ultimately led the Japanese uh, to surrender. Uh, of course, there's always been a lot of criticism about that, about uh, the use of atom weapons. But uh, I'm one of those who thinks that the, uh, uh, the two atom bombs were a blessing in that war. Uh, it was estimated that if the United States had to invade Japan, uh, would have, uh, they, they were counting on at least a half a million casualties, American casualties. But even more than that, which nobody talks about, is um, if he had not stopped the war, then uh, the devastation to the remaining uh, people in Japan would have been devastating. Millions more Japanese would have been killed. So the truth is that the two atom bombs also ultimately, indirectly, saved the lives of millions of Japanese. Well, a couple of things on that. This was the one that I was going to take issue with regarding 10 Greatest Americans because of the policies, the kind of the progressive policies that, you know, have led to Social Security and bigger and bigger government. And so this was the one guy that I was going to take issue with, and that was uh, FDR. But to your point regarding the atom bomb, I, I had the great honor in 2016 to go to Normandy with four D-Day veterans and came back realizing we need to capture these stories. So I have another project, and that is I've interviewed over 100 World War II veterans. And, of course, they were just kids, uh, and they're in their 90s now. And to a man, they are so grateful that uh, the atomic bomb was dropped in Japan because they said if it had, had not been, there's a high probability that they would not be here because they said the casualties would have been so, so great. And um, so to your point, right from the people that serve there, they are grateful that uh, that, that choice was made. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. You mentioned the Normandy. I, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I am a, uh, I guess what you call a minor amateur expert on D-Day. I've been to Normandy four or five times um, and I've met a number at the, of uh, members of the Band of Brothers. Uh, I think they're all dead now, but uh, um, it's an it's a area of high interest to me. Well, it is sacred ground. Omaha Beach is sacred ground, just like Gettysburg is, and you can feel it when you're there. But, yeah, we don't want to get sidetracked, but I'd love to chat with you about that at some point in time. Let's go to number number three on your list. Well, number three is Harry Truman. Uh, he was our 33rd president. Uh, he came into office uh, when uh, Roosevelt died, I believe, on April 10, 1945, and um, and he was actually the one who had to make the decision to drop the bomb. Uh, in some ways, uh, Harry Truman is my favorite president uh, because uh, he was really ill-suited uh, to to the role. He it was a sort of a, a small guy from um, from Missouri. Uh, he had been previously, I think he'd worked in a clothing store before he became a senator and so on. So he was not a very overly impressive guy. But the truth is, he came in at the end of the war, and he was involved in some major decisions, and it turned out, by and large, he made the correct decisions, particularly to drop the bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, um, you know, one of the things I love about Harry Truman, and I don't know if many people know this, is 
when his term ended, um, when Ike was elected, how do you think he got back to Missouri? You know what? He and his wife, Bess, they got in their old car, and they drove home. No Secret Service, no fancy Boeing 747, Air Force One, no Secret Service detail. They got in the damn car and drove home. I mean, that is unimaginable in today's America. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it represented, that in itself represented the end of an era. Uh, but that's one of the reasons that he's on the list. You know, we have just a little bit more time that we can talk about Harry Truman before we go to break. And America is a story of just regular people that end up doing kind of amazing things. So here's a guy that worked as, as a merchant, worked in a clothing store, who became president and made such an important decision. And you see that across the history of America. Ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things. We have just a couple of minutes that you could expound upon that just a little bit, Frank Hawkins. Well, you know, it's a, it is a classic American story. And uh, when, you, when you look back... At, at so many um, at so many Americans who started in, um, in, in in sort of ordinary ways and who became uh, something special, uh, you know Bill Gates, example, the founder of Microsoft, uh, he started a little. He was a geek who had uh, dropped out of Harvard and started this little company. They were in um, they were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and in fact, he was once arrested for speeding. And there's actually a, a, a I love it. I love it. Frank Hawkins, this is such a great conversation talking about your list of the 10 greatest Americans. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we want to hear who number two is. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. 
thrilled. We are having a conversation with Frank Hawkins. He is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, an Associated Press foreign correspondent, and an international businessman. And, uh, Frank, it's great to have you on the show. You got a lot of play from, uh, we actually did another show regarding your 10 most destructive Americans, and you got a lot of play on that particular piece. Well, that's good. I, I'm, I'm, I was happy for the opportunity to talk about it. Okay. So, but now we're talking about the 10 greatest Americans, and we are to number two. Who is number two on your list? Uh, number two is America's 40th president and a guy who I loved and who many Americans loved for one basic thing. He was a true believer in American greatness. And uh, he understood at its core what the term American exceptionalism meant, uh, unlike uh, some uh, other presidents who came after him. Uh, Ronald Reagan is the guy who crushed the communist Soviet Union without firing a shot. Uh, and it never will be forgotten. Uh, his speech at the Berlin Wall, where he challenged the Soviet leadership with the comment, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You know, he, he was a fascinating guy. He was, he was raised in a poor family. You know, we talked about that earlier. Uh, just ordinary Americans who developed into something special. He, 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 he was just in a small uh, town in, in northern Illinois. He went to Eureka College, not a particularly prestigious college. He was a sports announcer. I mean, he was just an ordinary American. And, but he did go on to, uh, obviously, greatness. He, uh, he was twice elected as president of the Screen Actors Guild, which is a labor union for actors. And at that point, he was trying to root out uh, communist influence in the union itself. And then in 1950s, he got into TV. He was a motivational speaker at General Electric for General Electric uh, and so on. He, uh, he, uh, he, he then got into na- in national politics and, and was elected governor of California in 1966. And as governor, he raised the taxes. He uh, turned a state budget deficit to a surplus and he challenged protesters at the University of California. He did a lot of interesting things. And then finally, he uh, turned his sights toward the bigger, uh, broader picture. And uh, finally, um, at age 69 and 349 days of age, um, he became the oldest uh, president-elect to take the oath of office, which is a distinction now held by uh, our current president. Okay. So uh, he was just an amazing man. He believed in America, and I think that was his evidence of his greatness okay now just a question i thought i heard you say that he raised taxes in california did he raise them or did he 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 actually did that was the interesting thing but when he got into the presidency he went the other direction um his supply side economic policies actually advocated tax rate reduction uh, to spur economic growth and economic deregulation is that another familiar theme reduction in government spending another familiar uh, a theme and so on, and you may recall, your listeners will recall, that he actually survived an assassination attempt. Uh, he had something going on called the War of Drugs. Uh, he's just an amazing uh, human being, and uh, I just, uh, you know, we just all loved him. Well, and I, re- I remember that, that day that when he was shot, I was working as an assistant on a stock trading desk. And, of course, you know, the, the stock market, uh, you know, gets all the news really, really quickly and, and, and had heard that he had been shot. And it was more serious than he wanted the American people to know. Uh, do, do you recall that story? 
Uh, yeah, I, I sort of do, but uh, yeah. take, a, take it from there. What I remember is that at the the wounds were quite serious, but he was insistent that he would walk into the hospital so that the, the American people, you know, would not be so concerned. But it, it was a, it took a great a great physical feat for him to do that because of the injuries that he had uh, sustained in that shooting. And uh, so, yeah, and there was another story which I don't recall very well now when he was in the operating room. And, and he made some comment about the doctor saying, I hope he's not a Democrat. I, I yeah. think this is a joke. Or I, I hope you're all Republicans. Or... I can't remember it precisely. But, uh, yeah, even then, uh, his great sense of humor uh, was also something that I think Ameri- the Americans loved. But he... He was fearless, and uh, my understanding is is that his speechwriters kept saying to him uh, regarding the take down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev, that they said, yeah, you shouldn't have that in there, and he insisted on doing that, and of course, it is absolutely historical, and and what that wall did over in Berlin, uh, it's totally different than this border wall that we're talking about here on the southern border. That wall kept uh, people in, uh, in, in East Germany. And where is this wall here in America is to keep people out so that we can actually have uh, good, secure borders and know who is coming in and who is coming out. So there's a total difference when people try to have a correlation between the two. Without a border, you have no country. That's for sure. And so that may uh, be a great segue to your number one. Who is number one on your list of greatest uh, Americans? There's no shock to your <laughs> listeners that my number one is uh, none other than Donald J. Trump, America's 45th president. Um, you know, after eight uh, totally disastrous years of Obama, with American greatness was slipping away, a racial division uh, leading from behind and a decaying economy, Trump stepped up to make America great again. And, you know, his record of accomplishment is already unprecedented for an American uh, uh, president. And when you, when you go and start looking at the list of all the things that he's done, um, it's, just, it's just stunning. I mean, on the economy alone, you have more Americans working now than ever before in history. Um, you had um, manufacturing confidence is at an all-time high. Um, construction jobs are up. Food stamp usage has been declining steadily. Middle-class incomes are rising. Consumer confidence, 18-year high. America is now the world's largest oil producer. And you have the fastest uh, growing pace uh, uh, of growth for manufacturers that we've seen in a long time. Black unemployment, record low, jobless claim, lowest level since 1969, and so on and on and on. The list, there's a website that actually maintains that list, and when you read it, you just stunned by what this man has accomplished, despite the unbelievable attacks on him on a daily, almost hourly basis by the deep state and the left-wing media. Okay, Frank, uh, that's all well and good, okay? I'm being somewhat cynical. But sometimes I don't like how he tweets or what he said in the past. Well, he's a uh, boisterous, sometimes vulgar guy. Um, most men, frankly, I guess I'm not probably not telling you a secret, most men are vulgar at some level. Um, but the truth is that uh, he was, a, I regard him as a true patriot. Here is a guy who is a billionaire, who is living a world of life of ease, uh, doing deals, uh, running around the world in his own private plane, uh, living uh, with a gorgeous woman. And uh, he has given up all of that uh, to become a target of unprecedented hatred and vilification in order to save his country. 
And I, as I said before, I regard him as a true patriot. Okay, and and just as a disclaimer, I think that women can be vulgar sometimes as well. And in my lifetime, I have said some things that I probably wish I could take back as well. So I think that uh, I was being somewhat facetious because that seems to be the one thing that people say about Donald Trump. And I think we all, if we looked in our in our own closets, we probably had some things that we'd take back a little bit as well. I totally agree there with you. There are no perfect human beings, um, and we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. And, uh, and when you're dealing with Donald Trump, and I have to say, I, I, sometimes some of the things he's done I haven't been particularly fond of. Uh, there are some things he's done I wish he hadn't done, but this is a situation where you have to keep your eye on the big picture. Well, and that is for sure. I was uh, down at a retreat down at the Broadmoor recently, and one of the speakers said that America was careening off a cliff, and Donald Trump got in the car, he rested the steering wheel, and he turned the car around. And it is astounding to me that we don't have every person in America getting on board these economic policies and this standing for a sovereign nation. I, 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 uh, somebody asked me at church if I thought that Donald Trump was a Christian. And I said, you know, I, I don't know each individual's relationship with Christ. That's very personal. But do I think that the good Lord has his hand on, Don, on Donald J. Trump? I absolutely do. Um, so let's talk just a little bit. Uh, he recently gave a speech to the Venezuelan co- uh, community regarding uh, support to get rid of this very bad dictator, Maduro. And as I listened to the speech... I really thought it was a Ronald Reagan kind of speech where he not only he called out socialism and called it what it is, but he also basically said to the people of Nicaragua and Cuba, in addition to Venezuela, that you deserve freedom. And I think he was also saying to the Russians and the uh, Chinese, stay out of our backyard. What's your comments? Uh, yeah, that uh, almost goes back to the old Monroe uh, Doctrine. Um, look, this is a guy who believes in America. This is a guy who has what I guess we would call old-fashioned values at some level. Uh, he believes in national. He is a nationalist, and I'm a nationalist, and I have no apologies for it. Uh, that's different from being a, a so-called white nationalist, because I think he believes that. Here's the difference. The Obama crowd ha- and all the Democrats and the leftists are playing constantly this racial identity politics thing. Uh, that's what got this guy, Justin uh, Smollett, into so much trouble. He, he took it a bit too far. But that's what they've always been about, to try and divide the country and to so on. And I think Trump sees all Americans as Americans, not as black Americans or, or German Americans or Jewish Americans or whatever. He just sees them as Americans. And that's the genius of the guy, as far as I'm concerned. I totally agree. And these policies are so uh, non-racist because if the economy is doing well, everybody's doing well. He's not trying to have this economy for just one segment of the population. And that's why you're seeing record uh, low unemployment in the black community, in the Hispanic community. And uh, and he's done this in just uh, about two years. Uh, it's astounding just to me. Just about two years. And in fact, you're beginning to see now uh, the emergence of black conservative groups, uh, there are a lot of black commentators 
uh, who support him. And uh, but you know the leftist Obama-inspired uh, racial identity crowd—they're uh, doing everything they can to destroy that. I mean, they are really uh, doing everything they can to destroy our country. There's no doubt in my head about it. Well, I totally agree, Frank Hawkins. This has been fascinating to talk about your your list of ten greatest Americans in your almost eight decades. Where can people find all of your writings? AmericanThinker.com. Uh, and, in fact, I just had another one published today uh, about, uh, about the deficit. I don't want to get into it right now because we don't have enough time, and it's a sidetrack. Uh, but go to AmericanThinker.com and just punch in Frank Hawkins, and you can find all of my articles. Okay, Frank Hawkins, thank you so much for joining me. And our quote for today is Donald J. Trump. He says, no dream is too big, no challenge is too great, nothing we want for our future is beyond our reach. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChick signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.